understand that there's a lot to the story uh, of what God is doing in the earth, uh, not only translocally and all over the earth, but in our local body too. Sometimes the little details can go overlooked. So we're trying to record, the, record those. We're trying to get those out in front. Help us share it when they put it on social media platforms and things That's so that people will see the good news of God. Amen? Amen. So how many of you are ready for this marriage sermon series? A couple. How many of you? Just show your hands. You're a little apprehensive. Oh, okay. All right. We got a couple. That's all right, right? Hey, look at this one right here. All right. So I'm going to take a minute and then... I, and just share my heart for a second. I mean, I do that anyway through sharing. But it, does it seem to you in our church calendar schedule that this series is a little late in the year? If you've been with us for a while, especially over the last 15 years, um, that we've done a marriage sermon series. There's 15 of them. We have the notes, the PowerPoints on all of them in case you would ever like them. Hello, somebody. Somebody should write a book. Anyway. Um, Usually, I love to start on Valentine's Day weekend. Like our, 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 our Renewing Our Vision series at the beginning of the year, always, I just try to schedule that out till it lands somewhere right into a Valentine's Day weekend, and we start our marriage sermon series because that's the spirit of the season. Uh, I just want to share my heart real quick why it's late. And I, I could be honest with, I mean, I, it, it's part of the church calendar schedule this year for sure. But that's on me because that's my job. And I want to be honest with you. In February, I did not have the heart to preach it. Not because my marriage is bad. Um, but because I was wrestling with God over my wife's life and her health. Uh, 31 years ago, we've been married 30 years. Uh, 31 years ago, right before we got married, my wife uh, got incredibly sick. And uh, the long-term prognosis was uh, the doctors finally figured out what was going on. They diagnosed her with rheumatoid arthritis. She's 23 years old. And the doctor on our first visit after the diagnosis said, you know, he was a quack. (laughs) There's a few of them. Um... He looked us both in the eye and said, there's nothing we can do for you. Uh, Go home. You're going to be in the wheelchair by the time you're 40. Now, we were not married yet. And we definitely were not Christians. Um, But we had set a date to get married. And my wife was in incredible pain. She was very sick. and, And life was struggling as it was. And we weren't living for Jesus, which added a lot of weight to that. That's 31 years ago. Because of her pain and her sickness, my wife actually wanted to cancel our wedding. And her statement to me was, why would you want to marry me? That was her statement. I'm broken, I'm sick, and the doctor has said, there's nothing they can do. And that was tough. Um, Obviously, we got married. Hello, somebody. (laughs) Uh, but, you know, part of our testimony, you know, that six months into that, she was leaving. There was a lot of weight there that you don't know about. Uh, we got saved at, at, right after that six months of being married. And, and God, I say all the time, God, let me keep my wife. Let me keep my children. He, you know what I'm saying? God did a lot of things in my own life in that. Uh, but we battled with my wife's pain because uh, we didn't have a good doctor. We, were, we didn't have any insurance. Uh, we, it was just tough. 
And she got incredibly sick and hurt for a while. And, and again, I can remember times when she couldn't have the weight of a sheet on her body at night because the weight hurt. Um, and there was a lot of things that were going on inside of those things. And, and we fasted, we prayed, I, spiritual, we were learning spiritual warfare. We were going through some things and I was pushing through there. And, and long story short, God did an incredible thing and um, moved in a way. But I have never forgot the wrestling of those years in my own life over her life. And they were not easy, especially for a new Christian. It would have been easy to give up for a lot of reasons. And uh, I was so thankful when God touched my wife and we found good doctors and God put us in touch with people who helped us and loved us and, and, and uh, got a, a treatment regimen and things happened. And uh, I was so thankful and relieved, hello somebody, uh, that that was happening and, and the pain was not there as much. And... Um, Towards the end of last year, my wife had some flare-ups, we just call it that, where her body started hurting again, and the treatment that we had been on for these, these years was not working anymore. And all of a sudden, I couldn't hold my wife's hand anymore, because it hurt her. Driving in the car, we could not hold, I, cu I couldn't hug my wife because she hurt. It's not her fault. We could not go on afternoon walks because she hurt. It's not her fault. And for me, I was... Flashbacks happened. Hello, somebody. Again, you want to wrestle with what's fair. Especially when you feel like you've been obedient and everything God's asked you to do. I wasn't mad at God... And I would go back into that warfare again. But I'm human like you. Most people forget that. No one ever forgets I'm a pastor. But most people forget I'm human. I, my feelings get hurt. I get discouraged. I get angry. Um, and there was something of me that just was like... I. I don't know if I can do that again. It's not my marriage or those things, but wrestle in that way again, Lord. I will do it, and I will die doing it. But And then I, I would look around at people who were haphazard with their marriages. And they were willing to throw away what I longed for, just to hold my wife's hand. They're complaining about the littlest things. And my wife and I would sit patiently in, room, in the room and counsel people who were willing to walk away over nothing. Give up on each other over nothing. To trade each other for other people. When they had the ability to do the little thing that I wanted to do is just hold my wife's hand or take a walk in the afternoon. And I'm going to be honest with you, that made me angry. Not at God. But I did my job as a pastor. And I loved people when it was difficult. But I did not have the heart. 
Because I know my attitude wasn't right to present such a thing. And so my wife and I have been on a journey uh, for the, this year with her help and pressing in and praying and fasting. I know how to fast. Hello, somebody. I, I know how to do that. I know how to pray. Uh, I know it hasn't been easy. There have been times where it's been, you know, between us, you know, Halo, we both are type A personalities and you get it. Uh, but anyway, uh, so we, we didn't talk about it because it's just, frankly, sometimes there are some things that are nobody's business. Uh, opposite to what you think social media should be about. It's just nobody's business. And the second thing is, I, just, I don't know that I trust certain people with my wrestlings over such delicate things, especially people who are so willing to throw away their blessings. And I want to trust you with what I'm wrestling for. So I paused. And I preached a lot of other good sermon series through my wrestling. And I haven't, I haven't held that back from you that I, I've been wrestling with the Lord. I've confessed those things. And, and uh, I go to the scripture and prayer and those things. And, you know, uh, Red Sea Revelations and Jordan's Journey. It's all part of how you work through the scripture to deal with what's going on. I'm not mad at God. Hello, somebody. I'm not mad at the church. I'm not mad. I'm not angry. There's no sin in it. I paused because I knew my heart wasn't right to present this thing. Now, we've been on a journey. Thank you for your prayers. And God has led us to a, a new doctor that is incredible. God has led us to a new treatment that is uh, working. Um, I will confess to you that you have seen a couple of pictures. I'm no longer on Facebook for a couple of reasons. But um, I did share before I decided to do that. Um, that she was going through treatments once a month. Uh, those treatments once a month are $13,000 of treatment. But God has given us grace to figure it out. And God has given us appointments and directions. And uh, I, can, I can, I have been able to hold my wife's hand. Come on. We were in Florida, as you know, and uh, we had a couple of days to spend at Panama City Beach, uh, which is where I grew up, and uh, we were down there and just took a couple of days for ourselves, and 10.30 at night. Now, you, you guys, the, the elders will know, Pastor Don is not a late-night owl. I will go to bed. I, I will go to bed. Um, I am an early riser, though, uh, so it's fine. My wife is not. My wife is a late night owl and she will not get up in the mornings. <laughs> um, 10.30 at night, we're in Panama City Beach in, in, the, in our little condo that we had there on the beach. And my wife looks at me and she says, let's go for a walk on the beach. And I said, it's 10.30 at night. Are you, have you lost your mind? And then it hit me. God reminded me, weren't you just fussing and not being able to take a walk with your wife? And so you know what I did? I looked at her and I said, if you want to go for a walk on the beach with me at 1030 at night, get your shoes on, woman. And we took a walk on the beach at 1030 at night, which could not, would not have been able to happen six months ago. So I just wanted to confess to you in all honesty today why I've paused it. It hasn't been the elders, it's been me. 
Uh, but I hope that what we have prepared and want to talk about in the next, from this day forward, few weeks, it will bless you in a way to give you something to hold on to. Is that all right? So that being said, I want, and I'm going to be short with the message this morning as just a setup. In the next five weeks, we're going we're gonna to crush it. Amen. In a good way. Uh, so, um, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. Um, it, it's, a, it's a great translation. Uh, Greek to Hebrew, if you read it, it's, it's, it's okay. Uh, but in particular, I love the way uh, the New Living Translation uh, translated from Greek to English um, this verse. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Read it with me. Here we go. For we are God's masterpiece. Everybody said? Everybody said? That's the title of our series. Masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So, Father, here we are. Would you bless the word to us, God, and as we posture our hearts for the next six weeks to talk about this subject, we want your presence, we want your heart. Father, we admit we even need your miracle working power. And so, Lord, we lay our lives down before you with this subject and ask you to speak to us not only individually, but as marriages, but as a ministry and a whole. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Now, some of you may or may not know, like I hunt, I love to, I love to be outdoors. We're going on a hunting trip in a couple of weeks, and uh, we were shooting some yesterday, those things. Like, I, I, love, I love the outdoors, I love rugged, I want, I'm, I'm, I'm I, I don't know, I just, I love manly stuff. And I, in the culture that I was raised, manly stuff, something usually blows up or what, it doesn't matter. <laughs> There's dirt and mud and grit, and sometimes my deodorant quits working partway through. I just, I'm okay with that. Uh, yeah, you can always reapply. Um, uh, as I get older, I realize I can't do the things I used to do. Anyway, but what you might not know is that over the years, I have enjoyed painting. Uh, and, and it happened in high school at a great art instructor, and uh, we did some painting in high schools. And I don't get—I don't have the time to do it as much anymore. Or whether, as a matter of fact, my wife over the years has always said, "You've never painted me a painting." <laughs> anyway, so. Paintings are unique because if you look at paintings, they always tell a story. And uh, I remember uh, one of uh, one of the art teachers that we would listen to. He he made this statement. We just heard him again this weekend. A little Callie was there, and we were watching some videos. And um, he he said this statement. He said, "I love to paint because my paintings are going to be here long after I'm dead." And this was his statement. As a matter of fact, when Jesus comes back, my paintings will still be here. And that was one of the art instructors that we used to watch and listen to. Um, and he's an incredible thing. His name is William Alexander. He's a German man but lives in the States. He's dead now. But anyway, um, you can watch his stuff on YouTube. It's great. What's that? His paintings are still here. He's dead, but his paintings are still here. He was a prophet. 
So when we see a masterpiece, we think about, you know, Mona Lisa, we think about all these things, right? These wonderful, we think about the Sistine Chapel, we think about, you know, maybe sculptures or paintings or those type of things. We, we think about the most complicated paintings we could ever see and look at and go, how did they do that? And I was showing my wife some videos this weekend and she was like, I never knew that's how that happened. I always thought it happened a different way. It can't be that simple. And I'm like, yeah, it really is. But you have to be committed to it. Not everyone paints a masterpiece that we would classify. But the scripture tells us we are God's masterpiece. Now, I'm putting that to marriage and those things. And let me just say, anybody in here ever tried to paint or draw? You ever tried to? Like, you see a picture, you're like, that's beautiful. I just want to paint, or I just want to draw that. Like, have you ever tried to draw a picture or a painting that you had in your mind? Or maybe you saw a picture, and you're like, you tried to do it? Right? Like, and, and, and you, looked at what this, you looked at this masterpiece. Look at this thing. Look at this masterpiece. You, you see this painting, and it's so beautiful. And and you think to yourself, man, look how beautiful that thing is. I think I can draw that. I think I can paint that painting. I think I can I can do that. I can do so you get your paint, you get your pen, you get all the stuff, right? Yeah, all the things are happening, and you begin. And you got this idea in your mind about what it should look just like. That's it. It should look just like that. Only when you tried, it never came out on your paper or your canvas like you saw it in your mind. And what's the first thing you say? I can't draw. I can't paint. And you tried. I can't do this. I don't know how they do that. I like, I can't do this. I, I've tried. I tried. I see it in my mind, but it never comes out the way I see it. See, I found that marriage is just like that. I have this idea in my mind, and I know just how it's supposed to look. It's supposed to look, look at those people, look at how happy they are. They've never had a problem in their life. They've never gone through struggles. They've never, they've, they've always loved each other. They, they're, they're best friends. They like, they've never had a crossword. They've never disagreed. They've never had financial issues. Their kids are perfect. Look at her. I mean, she's so perfect, she looks just like her mom. And look at his son. He just, they look, they, especially when Don grows his beard, they look just like each other. They're so, their kids are amazing. <laughs> I know how it's supposed to look. I've got this image in my mind, but. Over the 30 years, no matter how I've tried, it just never comes out the way I pictured it in my mind. Come on, isn't that right, ladies? Oh, I'm help- Come on, ladies, help me. Isn't that right? 
Oh, come on. Yes, I need more of you to help me. Come on, you're a little girl and you got this fairy tale in your, of your wedding in your mind. You're going to marry a man and he, he, he looks like this movie star. And, and, and you share your fantasy. You're gonna, what you're going to do is you're going to marry this guy. He looks like a movie star. You're going to share your fantasy life together. He's going to carry you across the threshold of a perfect house. And, and, and he's going to love you like crazy. And, and, and you're going to have the perfect children. Isn't that right, ladies? That's the way you see it in your mind. That's the way, that's the way you see it. That's exactly how you see it in your mind may not be how it came out on your canvas, but all guys, don't you laugh at them. Can I be real? Y'all don't want me to be real because I'm going to make some of y'all blush. Because see, in our minds as as young guys, we're thinking, man, I'm going to marry a supermodel and she's going to cook like Paula Dean and she's going to decorate the house like Joanna Gaines. We're going to make love twice a day, maybe three times on Sunday. (laughs) What's wrong, Josiah? (laughs) What happened? You all right? Jill, why is he red? Come on, dudes. You all right, Breno? See, Breno read the, he read the notes before y'all did, and he knew this was coming. Now, here we are, women and guys. Here we are, men and women. My question is, are you still dreaming? Or has <laughs> reality set in? <laughs> is, is your marriage what you expected it to be? Or does it look something like... <laughs> What happened? What happened? Like, why is his eye one's? Like, what? What happened? Who did her lipstick? What? Look, we can't even get it right. The petals won't even stay on the flowers. Look at them down there. Like, who? What happened? (laughs) Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I commissioned this painting. I did. I commissioned this thing. I called up Claire McMillan. And I said, I need your painting skills. And she said, okay. You know how Claire is. You can barely get her to say anything anyway. And so I described to her what I needed. And she said, okay. Okay. And... A little while later, I got a text message from Claire, and it says, I don't, I don't know, I just can't. And I'm like, why? She says, do you, under, do you know how hard it is for me to not try to do my best? <laughs> so if you're interested in this painting, it, it may or may not be for sale. Because everyone in this room knows that is a truth. If you're a married person, you know 
You've experienced that. Yes, you have. Come on. You've experienced what you thought it looked like in your mind. And it just hasn't... Come on, somebody. There isn't a married person here who didn't carry all kinds of expectations into their marriage. And the struggle, the struggle is this. Our imagining is always created in perfect circumstances. Right. I, I just, when it comes to our marriages, see, our imagining of what it should be always, always, always is created in perfect circumstances. And when our marriage doesn't meet those perfect expectations, we are let down, we are disappointed, we are in pain, we are angry, we are frustrated. What went wrong? How could we have make how could how could how could we have made such a mistake? How could we have been so mistaken about Mr. Wright? How could we have been so mistaken about Miss Wright? Why does, why does he, my husband, not look like what I see in my mind? Why does she not look like her? Why, why, does, she, why does she not look like her? And so I get frustrated, not necessarily because it's not coming out the way I am trying to draw it, but because she's not cooperating with her. <laughs> He's not lining up with him. And now that our picture isn't coming out like we saw it in our head, we just give up and we quit painting. And here's a hard truth, my friends, and I love you. But here's a hard truth about marriage. No one's expectations hold up. Romantic fantasies or airbrushed images, they never seem to show up on canvas. I'm helping you. You know why? Because morning breath doesn't allow it. <laughs> you, ladies, do you know why it doesn't come out on your canvas? Because you, you can't imagine that when he walks out of that bathroom and that bathroom smells like that, that he's still alive. You alright, Malin? <laughs> I mean, we watch our friends and we watch our families go through divorce. And the problem is divorce is so rampant in our society that it becomes part of the norm. And when it becomes part of the norm, you get callous to it and you just accept it as if that is a normal thing. But Jesus said it ought not be so among those who call themselves the people of God. Maybe right now, maybe right now in this place, 
you come here to hear these messages because your marriage is on life support. And let me just say something. I'm glad you're here. Maybe your marriage isn't on life support, but you don't mind brushing up the painting. I'm glad you are here, and I am not the perfect painter. But there are husbands and wives that I know who are asking, is a good marriage even possible? And I'm talking about people who love Jesus. And y'all can call me crazy, and that's okay. It won't be the first time, and it won't be the last time. You know what? Maybe that's not even okay, because that hurts my feelings. Because I ain't any more crazy than you are. But what I am convinced about is this. Yes. Yes. Absolutely yes. A good marriage is possible. Yes. But just like a masterpiece, it's not easy. It takes a specific kind of work. You can't do what everyone else is doing. The statistic I used to think isn't right, but it really, it's worse than you think it is. If 50% of marriages don't make it, Christian or not, that's the statistic. I mean, it's a coin toss. Of the 50% of the marriages that do make it, 25% of them are miserable. No matter how you look at it, if you choose to get married, the odds are stacked against you. Just think about it. In what area of your life are you willing to settle for 50-50 odds? I can't think of many. If the report of eating Lynette Carpenter's favorite cereal. I just need you to understand. Like Lynette has an issue. (laughs) Lynette loves Fruity Pebbles. They, they are her favorite Fruity Pebbles. And I have I've asked him from time to time, hey, you know, it's, what, what can we get Lynette as a gift? And he's like, dude, I promise you. We were on the phone the other day, and she had driven all over St. Joe County. And she was in a panic. And I said, what happened? He said, she went to every store in the county and couldn't find Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> you need to pray for me. It's not going to be good at my house. She said, it's so bad that the kids, you know those little box of cereals? Like the kids love to get those little box of cereals and fill her Christmas stocking full of those fruity pebbles. They're gluten-free. Did you know that about fruity pebbles? They're, they're gluten-free. It's your, your favorite box of cereals. You want some, don't you, Lynette? No, you, you want some? You can have. Sometimes you just eat them dry. You don't even need milk. No, here, here's the truth of the matter. Here, tr- See, there's somebody who loves Jesus around here. The truth of the matter is, Lynette Carpenter hates Fruity Pebbles. She has never, ever tasted Fruity Pebbles in her whole entire life. She says they look like wax flakes. Here's the deal. Not counting Lynette's issues with, I don't know how anybody loves Jesus, can't love Fruity Pebbles. 
that said, if you eat fruity pebbles, if you eat your favorite cereal, there is a 50-50 chance you're going to get cancer and die. Now, how many people are eating fruity pebbles? That's because they don't know any better. They're like, yep, it's great. We're going to take a chance. Jesus is coming back soon in my lifetime anyway. It doesn't matter how I go out. So bring me on the fruity pebbles. That's what they're saying. They're like, I'm never going to die of old age. Jesus is coming back soon, right? Like, just give me the fruity pebbles. But what, what area of our life, what area of our life would we accept that? 50-50, you're going to die. 50-50, it's not going to work. 50-50, it, it is not a good idea. Why would we take that chance with marriage? See, the, the, here's the simple point. If your odds were 50-50, the truth is you would change your behavior. If it's 50-50 that I'm going to eat fruity pebbles, which we all know now, Lynette is convinced that it's not a good idea to eat. I'm not eating fruity pebbles. Bring me the Captain Crunch. <laughs> Bring me the Lucky Charms because they're magically delicious. <laughs> I'm changing my behavior. So in our culture, most couples spend more time planning a wedding day than preparing for their marriage. People will spend $20,000, $30,000 on wedding, but they don't want to spend a penny on the person who's going to sit with them for eight weeks plus to help them prepare for marriage. They will spend 10 grand on pictures. I literally know one couple who put their whole wedding on their credit card. $30,000. And within a year, they were divorced and still paying for the wedding. Now, I'm just going to tell you, that's a, that's a raw issue right there. But we don't put any value on those who would help prepare us, plan, talk to us about the things to help us be, oh man, the lighting's got to be right, the flowers got to be right, the pictures got to be right, the music's got to be right, the timing's got to be perfect. All of these things, most people do that. And I just need you to understand, in all my years of doing weddings, a wedding ceremony lasts maybe, maybe an hour at the most. And we want our marriages to last the rest of our lives. And if we do, it deserves the details. If you're not married in this room, there's time to do it right. Maybe you've experienced the brokenness of the marriage and you think there's no need never painting again. We are God's masterpiece. How do you dare tell him he's not allowed to paint anymore? But if you're not married yet, do things different than the world. Learn to do things God's way. And stop apologizing for doing things God's way. What do we care about the opinions of people who are failing? Why do we care about the opinions of people who are failing? 
Don't give me advice if you can't do it right. We need to prepare now, unmarried people, for the hard stuff before it arrives at our door because it is coming. Get ready now to join your life to another person and understand what God meant when he said, be one. Next week's message. Once you blend paint, you can't unblend it. Next week's message. If you're already married, I got great news for you. If you didn't start out right, it's not too late. The great thing about a canvas, you just mix up a new batch of paint, start over. Even if you started out right, somewhere along the way, maybe you lost your footing or your painting became a mess. There's still hope. And you know what I love? I love the before and after pictures of people who have lost a lot of weight. Do you ever, do you ever look at those? Like, I mean, that's a story. It's a story of commitment. And it's, it's not necessarily the, the amount of weight that they lost, but it's the commitment that they put to it. And, and let me tell you why that resonates with me, because that, that's about decision. And decision is the thing that dictates our life, whether we like it or not. Good decision or bad decision, it always sets the direction for your life, period, period. Decisions are important. I love these before and after pictures because what that does and it says to me is they quit doing what they were doing and they started doing something different. Oh, y'all didn't help me. So what I mean, instead of late night ice cream, they got early morning running shoes. They traded in their Dunkin' Donuts for Dave's Dumbbells. <laughs> Y'all can tell Big Dave I mentioned him. They stopped channel surfing and they started crossfitting. They did something different and it shows... So if you're tired of resigning yourself to a mediocre marriage or a rocky marriage, you've got to take the same approach. You've got to do something different. I will say this, my wife and I said, have said this over and over and over again. We, it came out in one of the sermon series that we put together years ago. You can have the marriage you want with the person you married to. You just can't be married to them the way you were married yesterday. Nothing about a new spouse is going to make your life better. When two people decide we're going to change and give our heart and life to Jesus, God can change everything. God can break addictions. He can break burdens. He can break all those things that have come to destroy marriage. But it takes two people to say, not only we sold out to Jesus, but we sold out to each other. And maybe we hurt each other. Maybe we wounded each other. Maybe we went down some roads. Maybe right now we don't even like each other. But the miracle working power of God can teach me what it means to be one and to be his masterpiece. Now, I say that in somebody who's failed or maybe has, have, have, have not had the exact perfect, and now you find yourself in a place where, you know, uh, that's happened to you. See, you've got to understand God is painting a painting. And you've got to be committed to being his canvas. So you've got to start right where you're at and say, Lord, you've got to start painting me. Yeah. I just confess this, and I say this all the time. Lisa and I don't have the perfect marriage. We don't. 
There are times when I get in a bad mood. I'm not, listen, you looking for the perfect guy, y'all found the wrong one. I'm not. I'm committed to her. And no matter what's happening, I ain't going anywhere. After all I done been through, after all, no, no. I'm packing my bags and leaving. Might as well pack mine too because I'm going with you. You know, Mr. I know you're crazy. (laughs) I can deal with your crazy. Everybody, I can't do that. We don't have a perfect marriage. I can say this, though. We love each other more today than we did on our wedding day. That's the truth. It looks different than it did then. What we have learned is that the key to a successful marriage is not something new. It's something old. I take you to have and to hold from this day forward. The key to a successful marriage isn't something new. See, so if you're coming in the next six weeks expecting some new revelation, I don't have any. I don't. Not going to try and scheme them up or think about it. I am going to think about how to present what God has put on our heart to you in a way that you can receive it to grow from it. But the key to successful marriage starts with something very old. I take you to have and to hold. You see, that resonates with me. Maybe not to you. Because that was part of my prayer. Because I couldn't hold my wife. It hurt her. But I said, God, I made that commitment. I want to do my part. I need you to do yours, Lord. You don't see some people, they don't even start to pray because they ain't interested in the wrestling. You you don't. I I get there's a lot of people got problems and they they don't even pray about it. You know why? Because they're not interested in the wrestling it through. You see, that's all I know how to do. Is wrestle. That's all I know how to do is fight. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how to do anything else. And, and I've been called violent. I'm, I'm not violent. But every once in a while, I don't mind punching the devil in the nose. Especially when it comes to what I believe God gave me. She's my wife. Right? And I have threatened a dude a time or two in our marriage. That's my wife. Not, over some, not only over some other guy flirting with her, but some guy in church one day in Florida spoke to my wife in a way that was, let's just say Pastor Don was not happy. And I jerked a knot in him right in the sanctuary. That is my wife, and you will never speak to her that way. You see, I'm, I've wrestled over her and you don't get to do that. Those are things that, are, that belong to me. I, listen, there may be times when she's so sick and tired of me that she <laughs> hello somebody. Like I wish somebody would punch him in the nose. But I don't have a new revelation. I have the one that's worked. I take you to have and to hold from this day forward. Do you understand in your vows there was no 
out clause. You didn't stand at the altar and go, I take you to have and hold the day stay forward unless your breath stinks tomorrow morning. Or if you make a mess in the bathroom or, you know what I'm saying? My wife's like, every time I go in the bathroom, there's hair everywhere. I am a man. I, I said to her one day, just you are, thank God you're married to a man. If there's hair in the sink, that's probably because there's a man in the house. That's a good thing. She's like, this man in my house is going to learn how to clean up. Anyway, that's a different topic for a different sermon. If you're always getting bothered, gentlemen, because your shoes aren't put up or you don't put your stuff under, you got a woman in the house. That's a good thing. The Bible says blessed is a man who finds a good woman. From this day forward, can I say this to us in this morning? Can I say this right now? Because this is my heart going into this series. The past doesn't matter. Say it with me. From this day forward. Say it with me. From this day forward. Some of you have been through some stuff. I don't want to, I don't want to go through. I don't want to make light of that. Some of you got some deep wounds that you caused each other. Some hurts. Some things that I realize are very real. Maybe you got trouble communicating. It's okay. Maybe you got, maybe you said hurtful words. It's okay. Maybe you have some regrets. It's, it's okay. But what I'm asking you to do today is to make a commitment with me to draw a line in the sand. And start over. Let's let God paint a picture. Your picture didn't come out like you wanted it. You see, the great thing about painting with oils is there's a type of paint called magic white. And no matter what you put on this canvas, hello somebody, that if you decide to blank it out, you break out the can of magic white and you paint the canvas. And whatever was there is no longer. You see, I'm asking this church that in the next six weeks, or five weeks now, to consider this. Consider this. From this day forward, consider your new life of love. Let's repaint. Joe, come on, worship team. Let's be done. Consider your new love affair with each other. Consider the greatest marriage you can imagine. And to do this, I realize that we have to allow God to take his rightful place in our relationship. It's impossible to be God's masterpiece if we don't allow God to be the painter. And it's impossible to keep your commitment to each other unless you choose to be committed to him. 
Commitments are based on decision. Choice determines the quality of your marriage. Notice I didn't say finances. Notice I didn't say health. Because you said, I take you to have and to hold. And from this day forward, in sickness and in health. For richer and for poorer. And that moment, you stood before God and God's people and your family. And you made a commitment. Pastor Don, what happens if I made the commitment but the other person didn't stay committed? You see, that's the thing about God with the blood of Jesus. His blood is even more powerful than magic white. It washes and cleanses us. The decision to make today, the determining the factor that you will have tomorrow is yours. And there's no amount of marriage counseling that you can have that will fix the problems you don't work on. And it's not fair for us to expect someone else to do for our marriage what we are not doing. I am not married to your spouse. Mine is enough. She's a handful on purpose. And that's why I married her. Hello, somebody. Because I needed that. I don't want to be married to your spouse. And so, what about this blank canvas? Was it a picture? Is it something you can imagine? Sometimes you want to paint a picture, you don't even know where to start. Sometimes you want to paint, it, uh, do a drawing, you don't know where. Should I start at the top? Should I start at the bottom? Should I, where should I start? How do I begin? Where, where should the ending be? And those type of things. You know what I learned about painting? You just need to start. You just need to start. Now, there are some things about painting. You need to start in the background and work forward. I, I get all of that stuff. I understand those things. And, and uh, not, don't be afraid to layer. And I get, Listen, I get it. Don't be afraid to paint over something you put in the picture because you're afraid that now that's covered up and no one will get to see it. But that's the part of paintings that are beautiful. It lets you know that something is there, but something even more beautiful is there. And now I get to see both of them. So what's your marriage like? Will you stand with me? This year's been incredible. I think Rod, he stepped out to greet people. Uh, But I think there's been 14 weddings this year. Um, I haven't done them all. I've done a couple, uh, a few of them. Rod's done a few, and a few of us have done some. It seems to be that season. What about that statistic? 50-50 of those aren't going to make it. And only 25% of those will be happy. I, I think if God, is the, if God is the painter and we're the masterpiece, I think he's got something to say about that. And I just want to surrender my canvas to his painting. So I want to start with a corporate prayer this week. Each week we'll give you a chance to respond in a certain way over a certain topic. 
And then I'm not going to apologize for at the end of this series, I'm going to make, ask the married people in this church to make a huge commitment. But that'll play out. And we're going to keep that commitment of those that will make it very public and very bold. Hello, somebody. And there won't be a person who ever walks in this church, whether they were here for this series or not, who won't be able to see our commitment. I've got, we got some plans as elders. It's going to be good. Can I pray for us? And then we'll sing a song. Father, here we are. Thank you for wrestling, Lord. You're the miracle-working God. You are the master. And if we belong to you, then we are your masterpiece. And God, you have things of beauty prepared for us. God, you have things of awe and wonder. And so in this place, this season right now, this whole ministry as individuals and as corporately, we are surrendering and submitting marriages and saying, God, would you do what only you can do? There are marriages here that need a deep, deep healing. They're experiencing incredible brokenness because of stuff. And God, I know that you're bigger. I pray that you'll touch their hearts and love them, God. Not, there's no, don't be, con, there's no, we won't receive the condemning when we come to you, Lord. We'll only see, receive the presence of your embrace. But we'll also receive the push and command to change. So I pray that over the next few weeks. God, that you wouldn't instantly just give us miracles, but that, God, you would allow us to move through something so that we understand the price of a masterpiece. There's no masterpiece on this planet that ever happened overnight. Yet, when we look at them, we understand and agree that it took time commitment and dedication there are things that we call masterpieces that took decades a lifetime to do that's our marriages Lord we're surrendering them for our life Lord we have taken our spouses to have and to hold from this day forward let that commitment be renewed in our hearts and lives in this place in Jesus name and everybody said Come on, sing this song. <clears throat>
Okay, we realize this is not a sprint, it's a marathon. Today is the beginning. I'm going to ask you as married people, I'm going to ask you as people are just hearing this sermon. Here we are, we're going to set the pace, right? And glean what God wants to, to give us in this next six weeks. If you know a family uh, that you think these messages would benefit, invite them to church. Pick them up. Take them out to lunch afterwards. Tell me, hey, if you'll come to church with me, I'll buy you lunch, right? What's the price of saving a marriage? Uh, what's the price of blessing a family? And uh, so we've got, a, we've got a way to use these messages, even evangelistically, because we're believing God's going to save, heal, and deliver through these series, right? So, Father, here we are. We set the pace. Do what only you can do. We receive. So only you get the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Turn around and tell a married couple you're God's masterpiece. <laughs>